Today we are here with Amy Froelich. How are you, Amy? I'm great. How are you, Katie? I'm good. Awesome. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen Amy in the past, because you've been on several episodes of NBTV, um, she is the head of our deposit operations department. So Amy was vital in us going through our recent acquisition, um, which you guys have heard about um, with the two offices of Mount Sterling and New Holland. Um, not only was she a vital part of that, you were also our team lead on that. I was. Um, so you were in charge of a lot. Yes, a lot. Yes. Um, so I think the main reason we want to talk to you today is because if there is a company that's going to go through this, not necessarily banking, but anything, um, we want to make sure we're giving them some advice of things to look out for and maybe just some things that you've you've gone through. Because this isn't the only acquisition you've been through, no, correct? No. You've Over the years in banking, um, fortunately for me, being the team um, leader on this, I've done this before or been engaged in these activities before. And that does make a really big difference. It helps because then you have an idea of what to expect. I think the big thing about our organization and where we had a little bit of a learning curve, but rose to the occasion is you had a lot of people that had never been through this before. Yeah, we did. Um, so even though they think they had a, a great idea in the beginning about what was going to happen, they were, um, a little surprised. Um, but the key to the project management piece of it is to actually have a plan that's documented and keep adding to it and make it a fluid plan. Because whatever you think you're going to mark down on the paper as far as these people are going to be the ones assigned to these activities or these deliverables and the timeframes of them, it has to be able to be flexible and shift. And things are always going to come up that you didn't expect. Um, and when you're dealing with a large group of people, again, I think the other key is to um, meet regularly. So set a time. People expect it. They know what the expectations are for each meeting. If those have to change occasionally, then you just communicate out to them, hey, this next meeting, we're going to need to focus on this. There's a time, you know, deliverable coming up that's pretty close and we need to like resolve some things. So I think that just the structure of it is the key. The structure of it is the key and everybody understands the expectation and the urgency and um, the teamwork that it's going to take. And that's when you figure out the kind of teamwork that you have at your organization. And it really is all about let's move the organization forward. Let's be um, collaborative with, with each other and make sure that the customers that we have currently and the customers that we're going to bring on are all going to see the positive results from that. Right. Um, so that was a really good overview kind of of everything that we did. So I'm going to get a little granular with sure. that. Um, so I know one piece of this that really helped me was the documentation. Mm -hmm. um, because you had a lot of documents that helped track where things were. You made it available to everyone. So everybody not only could see where others were in their parts, but also could update it. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about the strategy behind the documentation and why other people should be using that for their own acquisitions? Yes. Um, so the documentation, so most people, and it just depends on the industry that you're in, um, can have this type of situation going on and they might have to collaborate with, say, a vendor of theirs. Or um, in our case, it was several vendors and a core system provider because, of course, they're key. So they'll have a basis for what they're going to do and then you just build from that. That's what happened with us on this um, acquisition, we actually have a core system provider that helps, you know, maintain all of our accounts. And they had a structure and they had a project manager too. So those relationships dealing with project people on the vendor side of things is also key. So you have to not only do what you're doing internally, but then you have to do what you're doing with each one of these vendors, which obviously related to 
um, a list of things that they needed to do, they needed to stay on track with, they would follow up with you on. So we were sort of doing it on both ends, but it took a little while to get that perfect, what we felt like that perfect live living document that we could like add to every week and adjust as needed. But once we got that and everybody understood, here's where it's maintained, here's what the expectation is, they would just have their own sections set their own deliverable dates. And then if a deliverable date needed to move, it was fine as long as it wasn't like jeopardizing the project at all. So there's a lot of spitting plates with that, but I think the key is just to be very transparent about here's where we're at, adjust when you need to, and don't be like thinking, oh my gosh, oh, someone's going to get in trouble. We missed this or we didn't do that. The team has to then step up and, and figure out, okay, this is what our challenge is. How can we get to the next level and make sure that we stay on track or get back on track. Right. And I'm glad you talked about that with regards to having to maybe change some deadlines because I know you and I learned this the hard way, um, especially me since this was my first time doing um, an acquisition, was the reliance you have on your third-party companies. Yes. Um, because, I, I mean, you and I had a lot of things down to the second of when things were going to be done and everything was planned and everything was perfect. But then when you have to rely on these third-party companies in order to meet those deadlines or to do their part to ensure things are done in a least proper right. timing, that can be difficult. It's a great point because, yes, we were so like, oh, we're on this. We've got this timeline. This is great. And where I think that we learned a lesson is that don't make the timeline so tight that it's so difficult for you that if something does unforeseen happen that you can't adjust. You have to give right. yourself a little bit of a, a cushion. And I think that um, on most things we did, but I think that on the bigger things um, that were things that were going to a customer in a mailing or something like that, we had it down to a perfect time. We feel like this is the perfect time for our upcoming new customer to get this information and this is going to be great because then it'll be close enough to the to the actual event and things like that. And then when you have a third party vendor, and although we you know we're confident with the people that we are partnering with, just unforeseen things happen. That's just you know sort of human nature. So when those did happen, what did we have to do? And 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 sometimes you have to push a little bit on you know those relationships and say, okay, maybe that's what you feel is the best, but we've got to look out for our organization and our future customers or our current customers. And we're going to push on you on the, a little bit on that to make sure that we sort of kind of realign what we think should happen with it. So that's a little bit difficult sometimes. It is. Yeah. And I think one of the things that really affected ours would be um, turnover at some of our third party companies. Yes. It seems like there were some key people that just either, you know, for one reason or another left that company and then we had to switch our point person and that kind of made things a little a little hairy. It did. So I would say definitely make sure if you're going through an acquisition, leave a, quite a bit of leeway for your communications. Just and build like that. it into your timeline. Yes. Build those expectations into your timeline. Maybe reach out to those vendors a little bit more often than you think, even if you think it's overkill, um, just to make sure that, you know, hey, they're still in the spot that they were in. Because a lot of these vendors are very large national, like, corporations, organizations. Right. And it's not that they're thinking, oh, we're going to drop the ball on this. It just happens. It's just the way that it is. And everybody's trying to manage, um, you know, the workloads they're trying to manage. And sometimes it's with efficient staffing. So they've got to kind of like, they've got to kind of adjust on their end too. But it all ended up 
you know, working out like we needed it to. And, um, you kind of feel like people, you know, sort of adjust where they need to. And, and if they're not, that's where, you know, you just need to be transparent about it with the team and make sure that the team is saying, okay, now what do we need to do? And the, the cool thing about that transaction was that there are lots of people who definitely have nothing to do, had nothing to do with that particular activity in the bank, but they stepped up or they volunteered, or what can I drive, or what can I do, what can I deliver to the branch, what can I do to help the people? And that's really cool. And you really just wish that that was the way that, I mean, we all wish that's the way that everything would be every day, not right. necessarily realistic, but that's what we strive for. Things like that are when you can tell what your organization is made of. And so that reinforces, you know, like, hey, this is this is what I appreciate about about where I'm at. Right. And so speaking of the transparency, one thing that I think made a huge difference for our our acquisition team was the constant communication. Yeah. And then especially towards the end of the transaction, we were meeting even more frequently. Right. Um, and I think not only did that help us all understand where we were with keeping on track with our goal, but I think it created a, a better teamwork environment um, just because a lot of people had to collaborate with other people that maybe they didn't necessarily have to do on a daily basis, but this kind of changed things. Um, so can you talk a little bit about creating that transparency and that type of communication for anyone else that might be going through an acquisition? Yeah, I think it's just, um, I think you're right. I think we do do better as like teams, as organizations, if we know that there's urgency around things. But in the beginning of that transaction, there isn't as much urgency because it seems like it's far out. It did. <laughs> and you have to feel like, okay, but if we had to do something today and what is this piece going to do if we are proactive about it? So I think that just being a little bit more anticipatory about what's going to happen and what could happen is really where people can look at, you know, do we have enough um, support? Do we have enough people assigned to these key deliverables? Um, is everybody from where you're at on the team above aware of what's going to happen? And, you know, how can you best make your entire staff, even if they're not daily involved in it, like buy in to like what you're doing and why you're doing it? One thing that you did really well was you kept our team knowledgeable of what's going on, but we still had maybe some of the other staff that weren't involved in the process. They still knew what was going on to a certain degree. Right. So I think that would be some advice I would give for somebody else going into this is even though somebody might not be directly affected by what is happening, make sure they know what's going on because eventually it is going to affect their department. Yes. And that's why they were engaged in the actual team that we had. So we created, we identified certain people in areas of the organization that yes, might not necessarily have been directly involved in the activities or the departments that had um, activities around this, but they were involved because, and then we actually also created question and answer like documentation for the staff of not only our our organization, um, but also the organization that we were acquiring and merging with. So I think that that was key because I think it left them with a little bit less apprehension about maybe what was going to happen and that we were thinking ahead about that, what kind of ant anticipating what kind of questions they were going to get and how we wanted them to answer it. And that's not necessarily like you have to read right from that script. Right. It's just, hey, if they ask these questions, here's what you need to think about. Right. And that document was also good because some of the things um, that were on that document were things that we didn't really know were going to happen until we got closer to time. 
So I think that was a really good document just to create, like we said, transparency around what's going to happen. And I think that when people in organizations and whether it's banking or whether it's anything, you know, that people are kind of trying to merge some things together. Um, I think it's just key to understand when people talk about project management, it's sort of like, oh, well, how hard can that be? Well, I mean, it is from the perspective of you have a lot of people doing a lot of things and you're certainly not watching them do that every day. You're trusting that they understand the expectation, that they have the guidelines, and that they're going to meet the deliverables. And then if they don't meet dates and stuff like that, you're going to have to say, okay, how can we adjust? And I think you have to have trust in your team. Yes. But if they don't have the expectations laid out pretty early and often, it's going to be hard to like keep up with that because it's not really real till it's real. <laughs> and it became real for us, like in this particular um, acquisition on December the 6th, when that sign changed out front, it literally changed out front of both yes. of those offices. And I think that it was sort of like, some people think they are really prepared. And then it's like, oh my gosh, it's real. Now what do we do? You know what to do, just, you know, but, but people get nervous. And I think it's like, they kind of think they are prepared, but then something throws a wrench in it for them. And then they're like, oh my gosh, now I forget everything that I was going to do. So it's just that you have to be there with that structure and say, here's the path and it's going to be okay. And we're going to get, you know, around this and and get to the place where people are comfortable every day, which I think is just realistically, it takes a little while. It can't just be boom, sure. one day that happens and you're just a new bank and a new business and the name out front has changed and everybody's just like, oh, well, this is cool. No big deal. It It is. And you have to treat it as such, but not in a situation where you don't exude confidence, right. especially to like those customers, because obviously people with their bank accounts and their money, they're a little, you know, particular about like what's going on. And even the smallest, what you think is, well, that's just a common thing. I mean, I think that we forget, and I'll just relate this to banking for a second, but this could be anything. I think when you're in an organization and that's your skill set, and that's what you live and breathe every day, you forget that maybe perhaps a customer doesn't understand that because we just take it for granted. We're in the business every day. Well, what, and you just, it's just human nature to do that. But I think it's just remembering that sometimes those little things are kind of scary for people, especially when you're changing, oh my gosh, can I not access, you know, this account or something sure. like that. And I think it's just like remembering that. But it just, you just get, anybody does this, you just get complacent because you're like, I know this stuff. I do this stuff all the time. But, you know, customers or other people in the transaction might not. So you just kind of have to remember that. We talked a lot about how you sort of manage the project yeah. in terms of your team. How what, what all goes into getting the team that you're bringing into the organization prepared? Like how much... I mean, did you hand them like a thousand sheets of policies and procedures and say, you need to read this by the time we flip our signs and we switch? Yeah. And that's, or, that's what? a good question because that, that isn't always, that's a little bit of the unknown. That's what's hard because when you actually first meet and engage with those folks, it's kind of in the beginning, it's sort of a little shock, you know, for them. And then you're trying to, so it's in stages. So you're trying to reassure them, um, in the beginning that we're going to have a structure, here's what to expect, whatever, you know, what's going to happen. And then as you go and you see 
you know, are some of them talking about leaving? Are some of them excited about the change? Are some of them worried about what the customers are going to think? So you just have to sort of constantly react and like switch directions if you need to. And then it's all, then it becomes all about the training. What's the best way to train? And unfortunately, that's not always 100% the same with every like activity or action or transaction because I've been through some before where the people were... Um, I don't know. It's just changed. Just another thing. We're, we're used to going through this. Um, and they would be like, yeah, whatever training. And then you might have other people that are like, yeah, I'm, I don't do good with just handing me a manual. I don't do good with just showing me something on a computer screen. So we actually did a little of both. We actually brought in, um, some, you know, like training, like experts, um, from our core system provider. We had experts within our own organization, talk to them about, Hey, here's what the computer is going to look like. Here's what the screen's going to look like. But again, that stuff is not real till it's real. And so you have to not only do it ahead of time, but do it during that transaction. So it's kind of a layered thing. And it really all depends on the people that are involved. Um, because sometimes people, are not that they're resistant to change, but they're afraid of it. Um, some people are just able to roll with it. So it really, you have to gauge like the people and in each one of those offices, the people were a little different. Yeah. So that was a little bit challenging too. And we did learn valuable lessons from how we did it that time to maybe how we would do it the next time. Um, but again, that might need to be a little fluid based on you know, the staff and the and the numbers of people that you're dealing with and the numbers of people that you have that are experts in your own organization to be able to go out and speak to speak to what's going to change. Yeah. And, and I think it. you also need to remember to be flexible about your training, because like you said, something that works for one person won't work for someone right. else. And we I mean, we did think we had a solid plan for our training and we definitely did the leading up to it. And we definitely did the few weeks after the conversion. But then I guess I think what one thing we could have done better is for the weeks following that, or maybe even months following that, to make sure if someone's not catching on to something the way you thought they would, making sure the support is there for right. that too. And I think a lot of organizations, at least in my experience anyway, and not just in banking, but other, I think that that's uh, that training sort of resource, setting that framework and being consistent about it or changing with it, rolling with the change when you need to, that's one of the harder things. That's really one of the harder things to do because you need to, it's kind of like, a, a, you know, being like a teacher or a parent or something like that. You're constantly reinforcing that stuff with employees or potential employees or, you know, it, it's just one of those things that you, it's not just like one and done thing. You know, I have this training material. I gave it to you. We did these like classes. We did this transaction. Now you're good. No, it's really, how do you, because, you know, turnover, organizations have turnover. Um, people, you know, kind of like forget, they might've remembered that procedure like when you first did it, but then 10 months from now and they haven't had that scenario come up in their office and they don't know. So it's just sort of like having that infrastructure is key and everybody being on the same page with it, um, but being able to adjust and react when they need to. Right. Um, that's in my experience, that's been the thing that you're either very successful if you have that and you, you struggle if you don't. And um, then you don't, you know, present that confidence to the rest of the staff. So I'm um, not going to say that's something that we all have perfected, but that's something that we strive for because I think that will make transactions in the future, how big or how small they are, more successful. I think that this was a successful transaction. I think that... Yeah, I would definitely um, agree with that. 
hopefully, you know, like our new customer base and, and our new employees, and we love being in those areas. And, and that's just something that, you know, comes through, I think, naturally. But um, I think just learning from, you know, what we did and what we can do better and understanding that that infrastructure and that support is definitely important. And needs to be ongoing, not at a point in time. Right. It's not a one and done thing. Right. And that's a, that's a struggle sometimes. People, you know, do well at that. I mean, people are on point some days in their job and some days they're not. So it's just keeping that momentum is really important. And it's just something that you have to work at. Right. You mentioned um, making sure you have enough sort of extra time for things that come up that you don't expect. Do you have a, a general sort of thought as far as like how much time so if you get your schedule planned out and you think okay this is this is a six-month project we think we can do this reasonably in six months i'm thinking like when you build a house everybody says go ahead and double the time and double the cost like that's just sort of a general rule of thumb it's gonna take twice yeah. as long as you think you think like add 20 percent in terms of time cushion? so I, i'm gonna say just in relation to this transaction because that's what we're kind of like you know most fresh in our minds we're talking about I'm going to say if we thought that was a six-month time frame, um, two to three months more would have been nice on either end of that to say we should have built the project out earlier. Sometimes you don't have that luxury with deals like the, you know, this that came right. up, so on the front end. So on the back end, it's sort of like everybody thinks I'm going to get to that point. I'm going to get from point A to point B, and when point B is done, we're done. But it isn't. So I think that continuing that timeline, continuing possibly the project meetings, which we did in January, but I think you adding, you know, probably at a minimum two, but possibly three months to that timeline would have been more realistic than just saying this transaction is going to be from the day that an announcement is made until the actual day that it happens on December 6th. So. All right, so I'm jumping backwards a little okay. bit. I have um, not necessarily about acquisitions and mergers, but more just a project management question since mm -hmm. that's what, kind of your role. How do you handle somebody, one of your team members, who isn't bought into the project? Right. So that is a tough question. Thanks for that. So, um, <laughs> so um, and you have that. You actually have that. And, and I think I alluded to it earlier. Um, sometimes people are on point. Sometimes people are not on point in a given day at work because they're bringing whatever it is outside work. And, and I think that you have to gauge if it's a, if it's a significant issue or if it's just a temporary thing where they're frustrated with the particular activity or task they're working on. And perhaps they had too many tasks because in the beginning you're thinking, okay, you've got this team, here's how it makes sense to divide it up. And sometimes you're like, oh, that person ended up kind of with a lot of stuff. Where can we diversify for them? Um, or they've never come into contact with that type of activity before. So then you kind of have to, it's a little bit of like understanding what's causing the obstacle or the frustration or whatever from them. I, I did, I don't really recall through the transaction that we had to escalate it to anybody. Um, but we did have to talk about it in a non-confrontational way sometimes. And I think that sometimes people take that as you have to be very direct about things, especially if there are that many tasks that need to stay on point. Sometimes I'm sure people walked away and thought, well, that was very mean or, you know, whatever it is, it, you just have to be very on point about it. But I think that you have to also make sure that they feel like, but you're doing a good job. Don't get frustrated by this one thing. We had a setback. We couldn't anticipate that. Now we just have to adjust. But emotions run high. 
Um, people are working probably longer hours and this isn't their day job. <laughs> I mean, they're doing their normal job that they always already had on top of a project. And it right. just depends sometimes in project management on how big that project is. This was a pretty big project for an organization our size. Yes. So people were not only doing their day job, but they had an, a, 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 in, a, in essence, in some of these departments, another job. Right. And you just had to remind them sometimes there is an end. There is mm -hmm. a destination here. We are getting there. And here's how we'll get there. And then, you know, where you can, depending on the team, you have to lighten the mood a little bit and just, you know, try to make sure that people appreciate, like, that you that they know that you're, that you're appreciative of what they're doing. Right. Um, so it just depends on the person um, and how much how involved they are and what their roles are with that project. But it does happen. So uh, let's just sum this up into a few key points before we sign off for this podcast. So what would you say your, you know, hit me with your top five of what people need really need to remember with acquisitions? Make sure that you develop the team and that you incorporate the right stakeholders. Make sure that you lay out the plan so that there's a structure to it, but be able to have that plan. And in this case, a project timeline document, um, be fluid so that you can, you know, adjust to it, anticipate what you think isn't going to happen because it's probably going to happen, <laughs> but a little bit more time into your timeline and have realistic expectations of people because you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days with people, but the communication, the structure of it and the documentation of it is key. And right. if you don't have that, it's hard to like keep on track. Right. Yep. Well, this has been phenomenal. Great. Thank you so much for sitting down you're with welcome. us. Um, as always, if you're listening or if you're watching questions, comments, anything, um, just get a hold of us on one of our social media platforms or, you know, we've got our website. You can always put an inquiry in there um, and we'll always address it. Um, or just if you're looking at us on Facebook or one of our social medias, just drop us a comment below the video. Um, thank you so much for sitting down with You're us, Amy. Welcome. I appreciate it. Um, you will be seeing or hearing Amy more on this because we tend to use her a lot for our videos. <laughs> she happens to have a lot of knowledge. Um, so we're going to sign off. Um, like I said, get a hold of us if you need us. If not, we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.